Okay, the Bible reading today comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6 to 16. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden, hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things that God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received in the spirit of the world, but the spirit is from, who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the, the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Thanks, Adele. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing to you anymore. Let's get this straight. Well, like we tried with the kids, how do you know what someone's thinking? How can you read their mind? Uh, We try to read people's, well, we try to tell what people are thinking by interpreting their facial expressions, don't we? Now, let me tell you, this can be a challenge when you're preaching, as I look out on you. So I'm not going to talk about you. I'll talk about my last church that was out. So none of this is about you. But some people, when you're preaching, nod along sagely. And you think, wow, I'm really hitting it home. Some people nod off. And you think, wow, I should really give up and go home. (laughs) At our last church, Trinity Church Brighton, I always looked out for Margaret. Margaret was brilliant. She would always have this face on her that said to me, you got this. You got this. Preach it, brother. That's what her face said to me. Whereas our good friend Helen scowls when she concentrates. And so if I looked at Helen, she always looked like, what on earth are you talking about? (laughs) Now, of course, we can't read another person's mind. So how on earth can we know God's mind? How can we know God's wisdom for life? Because everyone's looking for the wisdom to win at life, to make a good go of it. Wouldn't it be good if we could get the deepest thoughts from the one who made us, who made all of this? Knowing God's mind. So we're in 1 Corinthians, um, just to set the scene of where we're up to. Paul's been reminding them uh, that when God called them into fellowship with Christ... He'd done so in a way that ran contrary to everyone's expectations, uh, to what, how, what they would say was amazing. 
He used, God used an unimpressive preacher who rejected the methods of his age to save those who, for the most part, were a pretty unimpressive lot. And God used this unimpressive teacher to convince them of what, humanly speaking, seems absurd, that it was through crucifying Jesus that God's purposes were fulfilled. The king of the universe dying the death of a slave. God's deliberately made the way that we are saved seem foolish and weak so that none of us can have cause to boast other than in Christ. But the Corinthians, some of them at least, have become pretty pleased with themselves. By their own assessments, they reckon they're smarty pants. They reckon they're pretty wise and pretty spiritual. Now, wisdom and spirituality and smarty pants in their own eyes. The trouble is, they were coming to that conclusion based on Corinthian minds, Corinthian ways of looking at what being wise and what spiritual looks like, not God's idea of those things. So in today's passage, Paul's helping them to return to that humility, the humility we all need to accept that the gospel of Jesus Christ is both the wisdom and the power of God. And yet the world will dismiss it as foolish and weak. And so the question we need on our minds this morning is, are the ways that we have become pretty pleased with ourselves? And are the things that we've taken on as wise, as spiritual, that aren't wise or spiritual at all? Have we drifted into any wrong ideas about those things? Or to put it in the terms of the theme of the last couple of weeks, are the ways that we're trying to go around or play down or keep quiet about the foolish-looking message of the cross? Trying to play down the cross with our own ideas of wisdom and spirituality. And how do we read God's mind so that we can say, as in verse 16, we have the mind of Christ? So there's an outline in your leaflets there where we're heading. Two kinds of wisdom. Paul's going to set us straight on what true wisdom is. One way of knowing, Paul's going to set us straight on what true spirituality is. And two kinds of people. Paul helping us to see ourselves and others with humility for what we really are. So first of all, two kinds of wisdom. In the midst of these Corinthians bragging about whose wisdom they're following, which speakers they're fans of, Paul helps them to see things are actually very simple. There are only two kinds of wisdom. There's God's wisdom, and then there's everything else. Verse 6. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. Now, let's get this straight. Throughout this passage, you'll read we and us. That is the apostles. It's really important we get that straight so that we don't spend our lives waiting for God to get us to write another chapter of the Bible. The we and the us there is the apostles, to keep that in mind. God's official, chosen, authorized eyewitnesses entrusted with the gospel message. 
So that's the we. Mystery, the mystery there, let's clear that up. The mystery isn't a mystery anymore. The mystery of how God can be perfectly just and give our sin the punishment it deserves and yet also bless us, saving goes into glory with him. How is he going to do that? That mystery has been solved. The cat's out of the bag. The secret's been revealed. It's the gospel message of Christ crucified. So there's no mystery. That's the mystery. The mystery is the gospel. So then there's kind of a compare and contrast. There's the wisdom of this age, that is sort of the world, humanity's wisdom, all of which is coming to nothing. And the wisdom of God, which is destined for our glory. Now, Paul's not putting down um, human wisdom per se, or knowledge, or intellect. Those are good, useful things. He's not saying Christians are cleverer because we have God's wisdom. He is saying, though, that when it comes to understanding anything about the things of God, about ultimate reality, about salvation, the best of human wisdom has nothing to offer. It can be really helpful in this temporary world, but it won't help how we spend eternity. See, the wisdom of this age is unable to understand what God is doing and so leads the world to reject Christ. Verse 8, none of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. That sums it up really well. The rulers of this age, the bigwigs, with all their knowledge and art and learning and intellect and and even their religion, just didn't get God's wisdom. The very ones who should have been first off cab off the rank to recognize Christ didn't accept him. The cleverness of this age didn't help them. To illustrate, um, Les Dawson was a comic who used to be on the telly when I was growing up, a British guy. Les is really good at sticking a pin in and, and deflating people pleased with their own wisdom, their own intellect and art. And he's got, I've got, he's got this quote. Um, he said, he's gone to the bottom of his garden. And here's what Les says. In awe, I watched the waxing moon writhe across the zenith of the heavens like an amber chariot towards the ebony void of infinite space. Wherein the tethered belts of Jupiter and Mars hang, forever festooned in their orbital majesty. And as I looked at all of this, I thought... I must put a roof on this toilet. (laughs) You see, speaking poetically about the sky has its role. We can enjoy that kind of stuff. But it doesn't keep you dry in an outdoor toilet. Human wisdom and reason has a role. But it doesn't save us. It doesn't help us know what we really need to know about God in the way that we need to know it. So two types of wisdom. God's wisdom and everything else. Now, we probably don't day-to-day talk about wisdom particularly. Perhaps it's better to think about the voices or the worldviews that we're listening to. You know, what, what people or ideas have got my ear? Who am I turning to to explain how the world works and what life is all about? What my identity is? Things like that. All those alternative voices and worldviews are misguided at heart because when it comes to what really matters, 
They're based on ignorance of God and his things and are ultimately opposed to the message of Christ crucified. And they'll eventually be shown up to be as hollow as they really are. By contrast, the wisdom of God is the means by which God's eternal purposes are being fulfilled. Verse 9. I try not to do this in an accent. However, it is, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the th- things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. So the things the wisdom of this age can't think up or imagine or even get its head around, things that look weak and foolish, these are the things that God has planned from the beginning, to bring us into his glory. God's wisdom and everything else. That's beautifully clarifying, isn't it? That helps us think straight. So in this marketplace of ideas, there is ultimate truth, ultimate wisdom, God's wisdom. So it's not that God is one wise option amongst many wise options you could choose from. No, all other wisdom, all other voices and worldviews are measured against, judged by God's wisdom. Everything else is coming to nothing. God's wisdom to glory. See, the world says, look, Here's a supermarket of ideas for you. And here's a bunch of identities you could choose from. Pick and choose what you want to be. Create yourself, basically. In fact, the world says, create yourself. You must do that. It's dangerous not to. Whereas Jesus says, forget yourself and follow me. Forget yourself and follow me. And that very simple wisdom is where true life is found in the here and now. And for eternity. So back to the Corinthians. And back to any of us who might be feeling pleased with ourselves for being wise. Paul is saying. If you turn into the world's wisdom. Watch out. It might be useful now. But it's coming to nothing. All the wisdom in the world couldn't think up. Or even recognize God's glorious plan to save you. And besides. All your wisdom buddies, they think you're stupid for putting your trust in such a foolish thing as the cross. But in the end, when it comes to being saved into God's glory forever, the world's wisdom will be shown up to be stupid. So when push comes to shove, if you have to choose between all the other wisdom and God's wisdom, whose wisdom will you value most? So there's only two kinds of wisdom, and there's only one way of knowing. We only get the gospel because God has let let us know his mind by giving us his spirit. Excuse me, just get me water. Verse 10. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? 
In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So Paul says to the Corinthians, don't think too much of yourself for having worldly wisdom because it knows nothing of the wisdom of God and it's coming to nothing. And don't give yourself credit for knowing God's wisdom because you only understand it because God has helped you by his spirit. I don't know, have you ever been given the cold shoulder treatment by a friend or family? It's never happened to us, has it, Sharon? No. Cold shoulder. You know you've done something wrong because they've been all huffy and quiet with you, but you have no idea what it is. And you can't ask because then you'll be in even more trouble, won't you? You're supposed to just know what you've done wrong. Well, in all relationships, we can only know what someone else is thinking if they tell us. I mean, we can guess from the face. And people with a resting grump face like me have to work hard to let people know, in other ways, what's going on in our head with words. Only God would know his own thoughts. But God has made them known to us. They're revealed in the gospel and can be seen to be the wisdom of God by those to whom the Spirit of God gives understanding. So let's break this down, how this happens. So have the passage in front of you, especially verses 10 to 16. Verse 10 and 11, the Holy Spirit searches the depths of God, so he knows the thoughts of God. The Holy Spirit is God, so God is not going to be surprised by himself. He's not going to find some dark corner of himself that he didn't know about. And verse 10, the Holy Spirit has revealed the wisdom of God, the mystery. He's revealed the gospel. And verse 12, he made it so that the apostles fully understood all the thoughts that he passed on to them. So verse 12, what we, the apostles, have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. So there's the key difference. All other words are just words from people, just human wisdom. But the apostles were inspired with words from the Holy Spirit to communicate God's words. So that's what we mean when we say the Bible is inspired. It's not that the apostles were suddenly possessed and turned into like robots or puppets and and just auto-spoke words bypassing their brain. Now, God gave them the words to speak and to write down through who they are, their personalities, the situations they were in, the people they were writing to. God brought all of that together to have recorded his words. So we can say when we read 1 Corinthians in front of you, for example, these are Paul's words. That's absolutely true. But more importantly, we can say these are the words of the Holy Spirit. This is God letting us know the depths of his mind. They are spirit-taught words. And that is true of all of Scripture. If we want to hear words from the Holy Spirit to give us God's wisdom, 
God's revelation for our lives, what he really wants us to know, we go to the Bible where his, the Spirit has had his words recorded for us in various styles and settings and genres, but all of it, the Holy Spirit's words. That's where we'll find God's wisdom. So let's take one, one issue from today as an example. So if we think about humanity, mankind, humankind, what's our place in the world? Well, commonly, the wisdom of the age will send it one of two ways. This, this age will say, we're mini-gods, you know, deciding for ourselves what is right and wrong, who we are, what life is for. Or else our world will say the opposite. We'll say, we're just animals. They'll have a low view of humanity. We're just animals. We're just a product of random chance. So what we do or who we are doesn't really matter. Whereas the Bible tells us we're made in God's image. So we are important. We're a level above the rest of creation as God's image bearers and stewards. So we're not just animals. But the Bible also humbles us. We're in God's image. So we're not top dog. We're not the ultimate beings. Somebody, we have to look outside ourselves for meaning and purpose and our sense of right and wrong. What is right and wrong? And the cross shows us that our sin humiliates us so much that we deserve more punishment than we ever imagined. But also that we're so important to God, he sent Christ to suffer in our place. So that's just one example. You can find dozens and dozens in the Bible. That's just one example of how God's wisdom helps us make much better sense of who we are, our place in the world, all aspects of life. But is the Bible really enough to give us all the wisdom we need for life? Because lots of people read the Bible cover to cover and are not Christian. And even if we are Christian, we read it and sometimes... It's hard to understand, isn't it? Well, the promise is not only has the Holy Spirit been at work in the apostles and the authors of the Bible, giving them words to speak so we can know God's mind. Not only has he been working the speakers, he is also at work in us, the hearers, to make us understand. At work in the speakers and at work in us as we hear. You see, there are two kinds of people, our third heading, two kinds of people. Those with the Spirit of God and those without. Verse 14. The person without the Spirit of God does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. So Paul's message and method is always going to be dismissed by the unbelievers in Corinth as stupid, because they reject the things that come from the Spirit of God. And that's because, verse 14, they can't understand them, because they've not received the Spirit of God, who gives understanding. So they're incapable of making sense of God's activity in the world. In contrast, the Christian can understand God's ways, verse 15. 
The person with the spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So the spirit of God, who remember searches all things, knows the deep things of God and reveals it to those with the spirit of God. So the Christian understands what God is doing in the world, while such things remain a complete mystery to the non-Christian. And that gives us great assurance and great humility. Because if you and I have heard, understood, and put our trust in the gospel, then that means we must have the Holy Spirit. We wouldn't get it unless the Spirit of God had revealed it to us and helped us understand. And remembering that helps us not get too pleased with ourselves, doesn't it? All of us can call ourselves spiritual, super spiritual even, if you like. But the way you can tell a spiritual person is because they understand Jesus' death that saves them from perishing and put their trust in him. We're only spiritual people because by God's grace and kindness, he sent his spirit to help us understand. And when we first heard the gospel or grew up with it, he was at work in us to help us understand. So there's nothing about ourselves to boast about. So we dare not look down on or keep our distance from people who are not yet Christian, people who don't understand yet. Because without God's help, you and I would be just like them. See, the gospel is a simple message, but even the smartest people in the world can find it makes no sense to them. Most of the people you know haven't, won't have heard it, but even those that have need God's help to see how it's personally relevant to them. So pray for them. Pray that God will do that. will open their eyes and hearts. And if we couple all this with Jesus' command for all of us to go and share the gospel... Well, it gives us great optimism and encouragement for our evangelism, doesn't it? Great confidence. Because like Paul, we don't have to sound wise or eloquent or say every word exactly right. We just need to share the message and trust God to open people's eyes and hearts. If I can recommend a resource to you, the slide for this, thanks, Graham. The Word One-to-One. So you can download an app these days. And what this does is go through John's Gospel. You both have it in front of you. If you can get someone to read the Bible with you, it just has John's Gospel and a few questions and comments down the side. There's also paper copies. There's a bunch of copies of Book One on the table. Help yourself. Very simple. And the power of it is, I mean, Luke did this for a while. It's good stuff. The power of it is you're both looking at the same thing and it's God's words. It's the Holy Spirit's words and some help in talking about it. For the Corinthians, knowing all this helps them see that one faction or another doesn't hold, isn't more spiritual than another. There's only two kinds of people. There's only in or out, with the Spirit or without. Now, if you're not a Christian listening to this, welcome. I'm really glad you're here and listening. But you might be thinking, 
Well, this sounds pretty arrogant. They're right and everybody else is wrong. That only Christians have the wisdom to know anything about eternity. Well, if that's where you're up to, you are welcome. And church is for God's people, but it's always a place where there should be people investigating Jesus and not quite there yet. But we do have to say there is a sense in which if you're not a Christian, you are an outsider. Because you don't yet have the spirit. But but let's be really clear. The difference is, isn't because we're better people or we're smarter or more wise. The only difference is the grace of God. And any one of us could tell you all the reasons God should probably have chosen somebody else. So if that's you, ask God to speak to you, to reveal himself to you, to help you understand the gospel in a way that you personally will understand. Because it's the most important thing in your life to get straight. For Christians, this promise of the Spirit helping us understand isn't just for the message of the cross. It's, it's for all the Bible. We've talked about how the Holy Spirit inspired the speakers, the writers of the Bible, the inspiration of Scripture. But he's also at work in us, the hearers, to illuminate the illumination of the Bible. So when we read it, we understand it, we take it to heart, and we get have help putting it into practice. That's why we pray before the Bible is read, asking God to do just that. That's why if you ask anyone here who's been a Christian for a long time, they'll be able to tell you about parts of the Bible they've read probably a hundred times, but still find new insights, new application from it. The Holy Spirit at work in us makes the Bible a living and active word, word for today. And churches like ours sometimes get criticized for being all about the Bible, all about the Word, and not enough about the Holy Spirit. But the Bible is the words of the Holy Spirit. So in that sense, you could say we're more about the Holy Spirit than other churches that say they're all about the Holy Spirit, but don't even have a Bible reading. And let me tell you, for any sermon, any passage anybody here preaches, there's hours worth more stuff that we could go on about. Hours and hours of it that we could share. We're all still catching up with all the things the Spirit has already said, trusting him to illuminate them for us in a way that we could never fathom for ourselves. And we'll spend the rest of our lives catching up on what the Holy Spirit has already said. So let's sum up them. For the Corinthians, puffed up with pride and pretty pleased with what smarty pants, super spiritual people they were, this brings them right back down to earth. For us, if we've started looking down our nose at people who are not yet Christian, or if we look down our nose at other Christians we think aren't quite as mature as us, well, this brings us right back down to earth, doesn't it? We're only where we are because of God's wisdom, because of his kindness and grace 
in opening our eyes to it. All of the wisdom will come to nothing. There's no pecking order for spirituality. You either have the spirit or you don't. Now, it's right for us to want to grow, to mature, to become more like Jesus and help one another to do that. But we always do that dependent on the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to his word that he's had recorded for us in the Bible. To bring that home to our hearts and minds so we understand it. So that we can have the mind of Christ. Always dependent on him. So we have the mind of Christ. But don't be proud about that. Don't be puffed up about that. Be thankful. And ask God to give his wisdom. His understanding. To those people in your life who don't know him yet. Let's pray. Lord, we're so thankful for your grace. Um, Where we've got um, pretty pleased with ourselves, um, we're sorry. We turn away from that and we humbly place ourselves at the foot of the cross, knowing we're totally dependent on your grace. Lord, there's people we can think of now who we just long to have their eyes opened to your gospel. We bring them before you now. Please have mercy on them, Lord. Please show them your grace and your understanding. Amen.